Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Anybody ever heard that Michael Martin Murphy song, Cowboy Logic? I can probably get Brian up here. He can probably sing it for you. But I'll sing it for you instead. No, I'm not going to sing it for you. What do you mean? Oh! <laughs> Uh, there, there's a part that says uh, an old grandpa and a kid were, were driving down the road or something like this, I don't know. And it says, uh, the grandpa asked the kid, says, if there's three men in a truck dressed alike from boots and hat, can you spot which one's a real cowboy just from where he's at? And the kid sat there and he pondered a while and he says, well, you know, there just ain't no way to know. And the grandpa said, well, let me tell you something. He said, the real cowboy is the one in the middle. He's not there by fate, because first he ain't got to drive, but then he ain't got to open the gate. That ain't true. That ain't true. Let me tell you about that real cowboy in the middle. Let me tell you about the conundrum he's in. Because no, he doesn't have to drive, and no, he doesn't have to open the gate. But if you're ever... In that predicament, let me tell you what's going to happen. It doesn't matter which seat you sit in, you're going to be made fun of. Because if you're driving, you can't ever drive good enough for cowboys. Okay? They're going to tell you, watch out for that. You're going too fast. You're going too slow. It, you, you just cannot drive correctly. Okay? And, and, you know, the other thing is that, you know, usually it's a standard. And if you're sitting in the middle, you, you're all scrunched up over like this. And, of course, every time that cowboy just driving is going to uh, go to shift gears, he's going to elbow you right in the ribs. He's going to do something. Okay? And so, um, but, the, but the thing about that cowboy in the middle is that whenever you, whenever the guy gets out to open the gate, do you sit there right next to the cowboy or do you scoot over? <laughs> Let me give you a hint. Let me give you a hint. It don't matter what you do, they're going to make fun of you. Because if you sit there, that cowboy's liable just to put his arm around you. Come here, baby. You know what I mean? It's going to happen. I guarantee you. Come ride with me. I'm going to do it to you. I guarantee you. But if you scoot over, they're going to go, well, where are you going? Huh? Are, are, are you scared to sit next to another? Are, are you that insecure about your manhood that you have to scoot over? And, and then John says, yes. <laughs> and then the guy opening the gate is like, do y'all need me to take a little extra time? You know, I mean, that, that, that's the way it goes, right? But, but let me tell you about that guy opening the gate, okay? Let me tell you about that guy. There is an internal stopwatch that is running because when you get out to open that gate, and I'm not talking about one of them fancy gates, you know, that, that are on hinges. I'm talking about those wire gates. There is an internal stopwatch that starts right when you open that truck door. And you have about 12 seconds to get that gate open and laid back before you start getting made fun of. Robert McLean has one gate that you can't open from either end. <laughs> I, we pulled up to that gate one time and I got out to open it and I go up there and I... Uh, and then your heart kind of... 
Because like everybody's waiting and everybody's watching you, right? Well, unless that guy's scooting over and then they're kind of, you know, you may have a few more seconds if that dialogue is going on, right? But uh, anyway, so, so the first thing you do is you go up there and you try to push on the post and lift the wire, right? Except that doesn't work. You're like, oh, oh no. So then you do this number. <laughs> right? And it still don't work. And you're like, oh, no. Because the worst thing in the world is when those cowboys get out and they're like, you need some help? <laughs> it happens. It happens. Well, I was actually trying to shut that gate one time, and we're all horseback. And, and so whenever you go through one of these wire gates, or sometimes people call them gaps, but um, when you go through one of these gates, it, it, it's cowboy custom to... Uh, when everybody rides through, you turn around and you wait on the guy that's getting the gate. You never ride off from a gate. So, you know, you, you people that are kind of new to this, if you're ever out working with us or something like that, when you get to a gate, you go through it, you turn around and you wait for that cowboy to get the gate shut, get back on his horse, and then everybody can leave. Well, on this day, man, we got, you know, all of us from Roberts are out there, and I think some of the Silver Spur were out there. I mean, there's all these good cowboys. And I went up there to get the gate, right? forgot that it was that one and I was trying to close it and I'm like you know I, I stick it in the there's a little wire loop at the bottom and I stick it in there like that and I and I go to tighten it and there's like this much space between the end of the loop and this deal and I'm like uh oh it's the gate <laughs> so I reach around there with one hand I pull it and I'm so mighty I break the 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 corner post no I didn't do that so I go and I move it about that far. And there's 12 cowboys sitting there looking at you. And you don't want to make eye contact. So anyway, you, you kind of you do one of these deals, you know, like, oh, oh yeah. kind of wiggle it, like that's going to do something. Well, you know, one of the first things you do is you make sure that none of the wires are crossed on the gate. Because if you put it in upside down or something, that can affect it. But everything was good. So I put it down there and I'm like, and nothing is happening. What do you do? You throw the gate down and you run off. No, you don't do that. I turned around and I said, I can't do it. One of y'all bigger men or something's going to have to get down here. So Robert, he gets off his horse because it's his gate, right? Robert gets off and he takes that little loop on the bottom and he slides it up about three inches and goes, It's worse when Robert doesn't say anything. <laughs> it's worse when he doesn't say anything. He just gets back on his horse and goes, well, is everybody ready? <laughs> Wire gates will make you say four-letter words. Okay? God gave them to teach us humility. Because when you think you are big and powerful, go open up somebody else's wire gate. And you will see how little you know and how strong you are. I guarantee you. We're going to talk about some more four-letter words today. But these four-letter words open another gate that doesn't lead to us getting made fun of. They lead to things that will help you 
beyond imagination. As a matter of fact, when we go through these three things, you are going to find out that everything that you've been searching for can be found in these three things. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the writer of Acts says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what we're going to be talking about today is God's power and how he wants to give you his power. There's another verse that Jesus says, I must go to heaven so that I can send the Holy Spirit because while I'm down here, whenever I go up there, y'all are going to do all the things that I did. As a matter of fact, you're going to do even greater things than I did. My gosh, can you, can you even fathom that? All of the great things that Jesus did. He says, when I go up to heaven and I send the Holy Spirit, y'all are going to do even greater things than I did down here. Now, he's not really referring to him dying on the cross because we can't do that. But he's talking about the miracles and the feeding and the raising people from the dead. You go read your Bibles, man. The Bible is filled with miracles of, of people that God gave his power to and they did amazing things. But here's the cool part. Did you know that those people that God gave that power to, that they're no different than you? That you have the ability, you have the desire, or maybe you don't have the desire. God wants to give you that same power that he gave those other people. Now it says in, in Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But why? Now, now we're going to be talking quite a bit. You know, we'll, you know, we'll be out of here before three. But um, um. We have to understand one thing. Before you can understand what the three, four-letter words are that we're going to talk about, you have to understand why God gives us power, okay? Because remember, there was a fella that came up to the disciples one time, and he says, hey, man, how much do I have to pay you to learn how, do you do, how, how you do the things that you're doing? Man, they got all over him because, see, he wanted that power so that he could do amazing things so that people would look at him. He wanted the glory. He wanted the power for himself. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That is why God wants to give you the power. If you want God's power so that, so that you can have more money, so that you can have a bigger truck, so that you can have a living quartered horse trailer, or you know whatever the case may be, if it is for any other reason than to glorify God, it doesn't matter how much you do these three things, you are never going to receive anything. And unfortunately, I know a lot of Christians that want God's power for selfish gain. It's not going to work. So when we go through these three things in just a second, I want you to keep that in mind. That the reason God wants, us to, get, wants to give us this power through the Holy Spirit is, it says, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Now, how do we do that? You know what? We need to live our lives. We need, every single one of us need to preach a sermon every single day. And we should use words if we absolutely have to, okay? 
See, a lot of times we compartmentalize our lives. We think, okay, well, th- this is my secular life, and, and, and this is my spiritual life. You know, this is where I go to church, and, and this is where I work, and this is where my family is. But God does not compartmentalize our lives. He looks at everything that we do as a ministry. He wants you to be just as close to him when you are at work as you are when you're sitting here at church or listening on the radio or, or watching on live stream. He, want, he does not compartmentalize your life. He wants to be the biggest, baddest part of your life every single moment, every single day. And the reason he wants that is so that we can be his witnesses telling people about him everywhere. He doesn't give us power to meet our own ends, but to his. His power isn't to make you happy It is to make him known. The life you want is behind a gate that you cannot open yourself. God's power is available to every single one of you. How to receive that power. Now we're going to jump around a little bit. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to do a little bit of, you know, flipping and turning and stuff like that. But if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Or you can just listen. Or you can download our, our Bible app or our app, the Save the Cowboy app, and There's a Bible on there. So, any way you want to do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, Apostle Paul says this. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. That's cool, isn't it? For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And and you know, one of my pet peeves, and and, and if you're one of these people, please don't think that I'm criticizing you because I'm not not saying that you're wrong. But unfortunately, you know, Christians think that that, that you've reached a certain level in Christianityhood when you can spout off Christianese. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard somebody speak Christianese? People come up, because I'm a pastor, they think I'm fluent in Christianese. I'm not. I can speak English, Spanish, and sarcasm, and Texan. That's it. I don't speak Christianese. They, they come up, and, and you know, it, it sounds something like, well, you know, we just have to, we have to just rely on, on God's saving grace and His holy power through the justification of the blood of the Lamb. And, and then if we just reach out, and, and, and they just go on with all these big words, and, I'm like, and they're like, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I don't have a clue what you just said. Because it says that the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's about living by God's power. Now, how do we do that? How do we live by God's power? We've got to make God number one in our lives. You know, I've heard this a couple of times. Uh, I've heard people say, you know... I hear you say that I'm supposed to make God number one in my life. But I'm telling you, preacher, I'm not putting God or anybody else above my kids. How would you answer that? Because, see, I I get that. I get that. There is nothing that I wouldn't do for any of my four kids. There is nothing that I wouldn't do. But, see, here's the deal. In our human way of thinking... We want to put everything in a linear timeline. Like, okay, we put God first, and then our kids come, and then our spouse comes, or our spouse, and then our kids, and then our church. And, you know, we, we, we want to make a list of stuff, right? But see, God doesn't say that. God says, look, here, here's the reason you put me first. Because when you put God first, what it does is it 
ups the level you are able to do everything else. So let's just use a scale of 1 to 10. On your own power, as much love as a mother or father can have for their own children, or maybe it's your dog, or maybe it's your, your horse, or, or goldfish, or, or whatever the case may be, you are probably only able to love that on a scale of 1 to 10, about a 3. Now, that 3 is your entire world. But when you put God first and you make God the everything, then suddenly your relationship with God increases to a five or a six. Well, guess what your love for your kids does? Now, your love for your kids gets up to a five or six. Because see, God is the source of love. The Bible says God is love. So when you learn to love God that much, what it does is it increases the bottom line on everything. So you are not choosing God over your kids. As a matter of fact, you just think of what you love the most in this world. And I'm talking about things that, that you don't pay for or you, know, you don't live in. I'm talking about the things that really matter in this life. If you truly loved those things, those people, those relationships, then you would make a relationship with God the very most important thing on earth because as that raises, everything else raises also. God wants you to love your kids as much as you can, but the only way you can do that is by loving God. When you raise that level up, everything else comes up. That's what it means. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. But you know what? It applies to all of our relationships, your work, and maybe not even relationships. It it goes in every single aspect of your life. The more your relationship with God goes up, all of these other things start rising too. I mean, it's just amazing. You want the power of God? I mean, I'm seriously asking you this question. Would you not like to have the power of God working in your life? To make the right decisions. To be able to love people as much as Christ loved the church. There are things that you are capable of that you will never, ever, ever, ever ever be able to do without God. And you know what? If not for your own personal gain, but for the people that you love, the things that you do, it is that relationship with God, living by God's power, that will give you the things that you need to live this life in fullness. What's the first four-letter word? The the first four-letter word? I don't know. First four-letter word? I don't know how to do that. It's live. L-I-V-E, live. You want to know God's power in your life? Live according to God's power. The second four-letter word is going to be a strange one. It's quit. Quit. My grace is all you need. Some Bibles might say, my grace is sufficient. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, that he was talking to God and God says this, or Jesus says, my grace is all you need for my power works best in your weakness. Now see, especially in America, we are supposed to be strong men. And I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong, but the strongest man is one that has admitted that he's weak and that he needs God's power in his life. The other day, 
And you, you fill in the blank with, with whatever, whatever fits you, okay? Uh, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, man, what do I need to put in here? The other day, I, I was having a, a hard time with temptation. We all do. We, we are tempted with stuff all day long, whether that's, you know, maybe, you're, maybe you have a problem with some alcohol. And that, te- you know, you know you need to quit, not, not because drinking is a sin, but when alcohol controls you and stuff like that, maybe, maybe you're trying to to quit and you're like, man, I, I know I shouldn't drink, but I want to drink. And you got that, that thing that kind of like a pit in your stomach and, and you're just like, oh, if I just take a drink, that, that, that horrible feeling will go away. Or, or maybe, have you ever been so mad that you got that pit in your stomach and you just know you need to say something, but you know when you say something that it's going to be the wrong thing and that you're probably going to regret it, but you just want to do anything you can to relieve that tension that's in your belly. The other day, I was going through that, and I came to a realization that that was not temptation that I was feeling. That was, that was Satan's lie. That was not temptation that I was feeling. That thing that was burning in my stomach, that foreign thing, it wasn't temptation. See, whenever, and I, I'm just going to use, uh, I'm going to use brownies as an example. When, when you know you shouldn't eat the whole pan of brownies, but the brownies are right there, and you like know that if you eat one, you're going to eat the whole dang pan. And when, when you have that temptation and that feeling's in there, and you're like, I, I don't think that I can, I, I've got to, I've got to. When we give in to that temptation, the temptation doesn't make that feeling go away. It goes away, but here's the trick. You're not giving in to temptation. You're giving away God's strength. That's what that pit in your stomach is, is that God is giving you strength because the Bible says that God will not allow any temptation to come upon you, that he will not give you the strength to endure, right? But we've all thought that that pit, that the only way to get rid of that pain was to give in to the temptation. You're not getting rid of the pain. You're giving away God's strength. All of us want to be stronger. We want to be men and women of, of, of renown. You know what I mean? We want to be pillars of strength. And yet every time, you know, it's kind of like people say, well, I'm tough. You can say you're tough all you want, but I want to be there whenever you hit your thumb with a hammer. Oh, you talk about getting bucked off and getting back on? I want to see you yard darted and then stomped. That's whenever you see if you're really tough or not, right? All of us want to be tough, but we give away the strength that God gives us all the time. But if we can resist that temptation, and, and temptation, you know, the devil came in and tempted Jesus, did he not? When did he do it? After 40 days in the wilderness, fasting. I mean, can you imagine going without food for 40 days? I mean, my gosh, he was probably skin and bones and as we, I mean, nearly dead. And that's when the devil came in and started tempting him. And that's when the devil's going to tempt you when you are at your lowest. But if we give in to that, you're not giving in to temptation. You're giving away the very thing that you need. You're giving away your strength because God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So when you're at your weakest and you start feeling that pit that you just got to say something or you're going to explode, don't give away God's strength. That's what you need. You hold on to that. That is your life raft. That is your preserver. That is your lifeline. You hold on to that. Do not give that away.
Because every time we give it away, you know, and, and then we ask, God, why are you doing this? He's like, man, I gave you my power. You took it and gave it away. Learn to depend on God in every si- single situation. Every single day, you'll be amazed at the power that God sends you. And when you, when, when you go throughout your day today, you be the person that God called you to be. Is it going to be hard? You dang right it's going to be hard. Do it anyway. It's a muscle that you have to build up. That pit in your stomach when you know you should do something, when you know that, that, that you should you know, give your kids a break or, or you know, give your spouse a break or, 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 or love somebody that's hard to love or, or just do the right thing whether anybody knows it or not. You be that kind of person each and every day. You hold on to that the fact that it is hard. And God is going to make you stronger because see, the Christian life is not going to make your life easier. Your life is not going to get easier when you follow God. He's going to make you stronger. Choose. You, you, you get a choice. You can either be weak, alone, and afraid, living in fear, or you can hold on to God's power and you can be mighty and victorious because God says in his word that we have already claimed victory through Christ Jesus for those that believe in him. Choose whichever one you want. It's up to you. Moses said, choose this day. Choose life or death. And then he said, choose life. Joshua said, As for, you know, choose this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You have a choice. Make no mistake about it. You have a choice. Which one will you choose? And the third four-letter word, love. In Ephesians 3.19 says, May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Then, you see where I'm going with this, right? He makes that statement, and then he says, then. What is that telling us? If you do this, then this is going to happen right? Watch this. Freaking cool. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with, and he lists two things. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete. How many of us feel like we're broken? Pastor raised his hand. You feel broken? Maybe you don't want to tell anybody that you feel broken. I'm giving you the I'm not giving you an answer. God's giving you the answer right now. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What an amazing promise. Please do not let your heart be hard. Do not turn away from this message. You are not here by accident. God is calling you. He wants a relationship with you through His Son, and He wants to fill you with power from the Holy Spirit. He wants to make you into something that you can never be made, that you cannot make on your own. He wants you to live When you live for God and you make Him number one, not number two, not number three, not a, we, we, we do not serve a convenient God. Serve Him every single day. Obey Him every single day. Not because He's a taskmaster, because Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Live 
and you'll open that gate. You know that gate that you're struggling? That narrow gate that he says to walk through? That, that gate that leads to where all of us want to be. You get there by living. To live for God. And you've got to quit depending upon yourself. You've got, you, you just got to stop and you just got to say, God, I, I can't control beef prices. God, I, I can't control anything. Only you can control it. And I'm going to walk in faith that no matter what comes against me, that no matter what happens, you're going to be glorified through it. Because joy, we talked about that last week, joy is, is the assurance that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Why? Because God said it would be. We need a life filled with joy. We need to quit depending upon ourselves. Quit thinking that if we work hard that we will get more. That's not true. When you put God first, God says seek, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will be given unto you. But yet you're out there working 150 hours a week to trying to pay for the stuff that you thought was going to make you happy that don't anymore that you're still having to pay off so that you can get a better job so that you can pay that off and so that you can buy other stuff that you think is going to make you happy but it's not. No. <laughs> There's going to be a pop quiz. That's, going to, that's the essay question right there. We need to live for God. We need to quit depending upon ourselves and start depending on Him. And the third thing is, man, we need to know how much God loves you. Billy Graham, I saw a deal, and this is the end. Billy Graham, I, I saw a, a deal, and there was a little black and white TV and it was Billy Graham as a young man. I mean, hellfire and brimstone, baby, just boom. He was pounding that pulpit in front of him. And the camera zooms back. And the old Billy Graham is sitting in a chair. And he's got the little blanket over his legs. He's a frail old man. And every time that young Billy Graham on that black and white TV hits the podium, that old Billy Graham hits the arm of that chair. And at the same time, the young Billy Graham is saying three words, and the old Billy Graham is saying three words. And they're both saying, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And then the TV goes silent, and you hear that old Billy Graham say, the message has never changed. The message has never changed. God loves you. He doesn't love the person sitting in front of you or behind you. He loves you. It's a personal thing. He wants you to have fullness of life. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, Jesus said. You know what? This year alone, I have been to Israel for God's glory so that I could walk in the footsteps of Jesus, so that I can see where he preached and see where he ministered. I've been to China so that I could show his love because James 127 says the religion that God calls pure is one that takes care of orphans and widows in their distress and does not allow them to be polluted by the world. We went and adopted two children from China because that's what God called us to do. We didn't go over there for us. We went over there for him. I just got back from Mexico where we're going to help an orphanage down there. I didn't go down there for us. I went down there for God's glory. That's a full life. It has been the hardest year of my life. The hardest year of my life but I've never been more powerful. You watch out because God is going to do great things through me and I'm going to give him all the credit. And if you think that's about me, it's not because it could be about you 
too, because that's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to do things that you would never do on your own, to do things through you that you could never accomplish so that you too can become powerful, so that we can be his witnesses throughout the world. You are sitting here and you have a choice. You are watching at home, you have a choice. You are listening on a podcast or the radio and you have a choice. What will you do with it? I hope you do the right thing. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for giving us the power that you have promised us. God, help us to become men and women that are full of power. We can change our lives. We can change our families. We can change our communities. You know what? God, through you, we can change the world. Maybe not for everybody, but for somebody we can. Let's all go out there and make a difference, not focused on us, not on our own happiness or our own needs, but by, but by following Jesus' example of being a servant and a humble servant to go out there and be full of grace and power and love, knowing how much God loved us so that we can be great witnesses in this dark world. God, we've offered you have offered everybody here a choice today. Lay it on their hearts right now to just quit. Quit depending upon themselves. Start living a life full of power through the Holy Spirit to know how much Christ loves us so that we can live a life of fullness and power. They do that right now by just quitting, saying, I can't do this on my own. God, I need you to be, I need, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. And invite the Holy Spirit in and be transformed by the renewing of our minds, living each day as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. The cowboy has molded and shaped our country by the sweat of his brow and his faith in God. Slowly, his way of life has been labeled as outdated and obsolete, if that wasn't enough. Religion has tried to change his view of the God he experiences every day. The rough hands of the carpenter's son have been replaced with silver tongues and promises of an easy life. But the cowboy knows better. His way of life is slowly dying. No longer do people keep their word. No longer is a handshake all you need. He searches for men who act like men and ladies who act like ladies. He is one in a thousand and he needs your help. For just $35 a month, which is one one thousandth of the average yearly salary, you can be part of saving the cowboy's heritage, saving the cowboy's faith, and his livelihood. You too can help save the cowboy. Just text SAVE THE COWBOY, all one word, to 77977 and be a part of something extraordinary.